The Lakers might have won big last night, but they've still had a roller coaster season. I'm joined by one of my friends and a fellow member of the Lakers faithful to talk about it. From shattered expectations to what needs to happen moving forward, this is the Boundless and Ballin' Podcast. What's good, everyone? It's Jordan Pecolino, host of the Boundless and Ballin' Podcast. And today I'm joined with one of my friends, a fellow diehard Laker fan, Noel Pennington. He's a freshman over at Pasadena City College. Uh, Noel, how are you today, man? Good, good. How are you, man? Doing great. Can't wait to get it to get going here. Heck yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, just to get started, like back in the off season, what were your expectations for the Lakers uh, going into it this year? My expectations were super high. I thought it was championship or bust, but clearly I've been proven wrong. Um, this <laughs> terrible journey so far, but yeah. I, I, I genuinely thought it like all, all the role players would come together super nicely and just gel and we'd have a perfect team. Um, but yeah, that's not the case though. Yeah. I hear you. Those expectations yeah. have not turned into reality. At yeah. all. I mean, what were, uh, what have been some of the biggest problems, like the biggest sticking points for the Lakers this year? Um, honestly, I just think it's the, the just inability to, play as a team like I feel like we have just a lot of great individual talents like I can name uh, just like a, a plethora of individual talents that we have but just the inability just to go on runs and just like create like cohesion together as a squad has just been not there on a consistent basis at least yeah so, definitely yeah I mean is there any chance of fixing them because we have shoot like less than 20 games left yeah I mean if I, I do have hopes with, with hopefully AD coming back, um, going into playoffs. And, um, I mean, we look good some games. Like last night, for example, against the Wizards, like just in the second half, just that whole stretch. But like we were looking really nice. And I just have – I have a small inkling of hope still um, if, like, we can get it together down the stretch with AD coming back. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. A lot of people have compared this team to like the 2012-13 super team, you know, Nash, Kobe Howard, those guys. Do you see that as a fair comparison or is it a little overboard or what do you think? Um, in, in a way, I can I see the comparison. Um, I think it's I think it's a little different because um, that team, we, we have so many new pieces to the team this year. And um, it's just like coming in, we have three returning players. I think that team had more continuity than change. Mm-hmm. Um, because just with the same kind of like structure of the roster. Um, so I think it's a little unfair of a comparison, but I, I see it for sure. Cause we created a big three this season and failed much like the, the big four of that, of that year as well. Yeah. Shifting yeah. back to, to this year. I mean, who stood out to you this year? Cause I definitely say Malik Monk and Austin Reeves. Oh my goodness. For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. As soon as you said that question, Malik Monk just paused my head immediately I, I don't think anybody was expecting him to to be this good um and he he's been um just awesome yeah for us yeah mm-hmm. um what do you make of all the drama that's really surrounded the lakers this year because yeah lebron's comments during all-star weekend um the whole clutch versus laker management situation there's a lot of headlines concerning us this year yeah i think i think a lot of people don't like to see when um, we have a great team like the Lakers, a story team. I think any chance people get to bash on them or hate on them, they'll, they'll take it, you know? And um, I think that's what we've been seeing a lot this season. And 
um, just with the ups and downs of everything so far, just like there, there's a lot of talk about and um, just a lot of like headlines will come out of that. So, and it, like it's with the Westbrook stuff too, like how um, like he can't, he can't even bring his family to the games anymore uh, just because of like his struggles this season. Yeah, just a- anything could make a headline. I, I think I could make a, a good headline off the Lakers drama this season too. So, yeah. Yep. And then transitioning to last night, I mean, LeBron dropped 50 for the second time this year. What's yeah. your reaction to him still being able to play at such a high level? Because he's 37. Yeah, it's it's just unheard of. And it's it's just a joy to watch, honestly. Like, that's the, that's the one thing that's keeping me going, just turning on every game. It's like, I, I know LeBron – will come through and do well. And, and that's the biggest disappointment for this whole entire season. It's like mm-hmm. LeBron is playing just like unbelievable basketball, like just one of the greatest scoring performances ever in a season at this, at, at such an old age, it's unbelievable. And, and the fact that we're not able to support him and have like a, a top three team in the West to go along with it is just, it's terrible. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, look at his last six scoring-wise, 32, 26, 26, 56, 23, and 50. Yeah, that's right. unbelievable. And the fact, like, he has – I saw they, they flashed a stat that said 14th career uh, 50-point game for last night. And the fact that two of them were from, like, the last six games or five games, like you said, is just unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. wild. Crazy. Yeah. Um. You talked about Westbrook briefly. I mean, like, what do you think has to happen with uh, with him moving forward? Because like Vogel doesn't want to bench him, even though a lot of yeah. people want to do it. Like, yeah, I honestly, I've I said like at the I was telling my my dad, and my brother at like the start of the year. I said like the second week of the season, I was like, let's put Westbrook off the bench because, um, and I, I don't know. I think it, I think it would work nicely because um, you have primary ball handlers. Um, in the starting lineup, like we have Monk and LeBron already there, um, and they're they were able to do their thing. We saw it last night against the Wizards too. Like when they were on that huge run, Westbrook, where was he? He's on the bench. Like I don't know. I just think I think he would do well off the bench too because he can provide like um, just like scoring bursts um, against like uh, worse players. Quite frankly, when when their bench unit is in as well, so I think it would work nicely. But I don't know if they'll ever do that just because he's such a good player um, yeah yeah and I don't know if they'd even do that but yeah mm-hmm. I think the whole idea for Russ was to give LeBron like less uh playmaking pressure and I think yeah. it's worked at points but at the same time like not so much yeah I yeah I agree I think that was, like it, it sounds good in theory but it just it doesn't work out because we've seen it with like team structure around LeBron in the past you just need shooters around him like when he's when he's driving and creating uh, just a bunch of attention, you just kick it out. And Westbrook's is not that guy. Um, he needs to be handling the ball and like in the paint too. I, I wonder what the season would be like if we had healed instead of him and Ooh, yeah. the reset button. That's what I've been thinking. Yep. Yeah. There's- so many what ifs would like yeah. we could have had what DeRozan and Lowry, DeRozan and yeah. kept Caruso. Yeah, exactly. for, yeah, 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 true. Yeah, I know. I even wonder what it'd be like if we just kept Kuzma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, KP, yeah. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. And uh, where do the Lakers stand in terms of like contending teams? I mean, if they survive the playing tournament, do you think they'd fare well in the first round? 
Yeah, I think uh, no team wants to face Lakers in the first mm-hmm. round. That would be that. That's just a scary thought. Like, who who wants to go against LeBron right now? I know. Yeah, so I I think there's that there's there's that glimmer of hope. But I, I say that, and then I watch them lose to the Spurs and Rockets and back to back nights. So I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So I I think there's a chance that they can can get hot and upset a team for sure. But then again, I see them fall apart every night and I, I watch them. This is a good night, the good day to be doing the podcast. Cause I just watched them come off a good win. Yes. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's kind of ups and down, like um, just like this season. Yep. Most certainly. And looking a little bit ahead, I mean, what should the Lakers do in the off season um, as a whole, but particularly with uh, Russ and Vogel? Um, I don't know. I, I, I personally would keep Vogel around or I, I, I don't think it's Vogel's fault necessarily what's going on. I still think he's a solid head coach for sure. But, um, Russ, I mean, he's found himself on what, like he's been on like four different teams in the past or three different teams in the past, like couple seasons, like he's right. found himself on a new team. So I don't know. I, I think, I, I don't know if I want him around next year, really. But he's got such a huge contract, and after the way he's played this year, who who really wants him? I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, forty-seven million dollar player option. Yeah. So, I, no, yeah, it, it seems inevitable that he's going to be around again, which mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. Ah, I, that pains me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I mean, you want to keep guys like Monk, Stanley Johnson, the super yeah. high energy role players too. Exactly. Yeah. I think. To answer your question again about going forward, I think we need to stray away from the old veteran players that we were signing, like Baysmore and DeAndre Jordan, and get more of those just energy guys like um, Stanley Johnson. And even in the last game, uh, Gabriel, the guy we just signed. Yeah, uh, Wayne and Gabriel. Yeah, he was looking fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. He just was – he's playing with so much energy. Yeah. Like, I, I just – I love to see that. And – I'd rather see that over guys like Wayne Ellington who are just clogging up our bench, getting no playing time whatsoever. Yep. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really safe to say like the second stint Lakers that we've had, you know, Baysmore. Um, I think Wedding might've had a stint with us a few yeah, years ago. Yeah. Uh, shoot, who else? Ellington, like you mentioned, like their mm-hmm. second stint has proven to be right. uh, not as desired, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I, I remember Ellington on our team a couple of years ago, like he was way better then. Or at least it seemed like it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, lastly, here, what what's it going to take for the Lakers to ultimately turn it around for the next of the season? Because you know we both have small glimmers of hope that they can somehow do this. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think I think they need to just kind of like I was saying earlier, just like start playing as a team more. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they when they go on those runs, they're they're passing the ball uh, efficiently. They're just finding the open man and playing unselfish. I, I see a lot of the time. Um, we're digging ourselves into a hole. There's like a lot of hero ball and just people just trying to ISO um, mm-hmm. and just do it all themselves, but that's just not going to work out. So I think we need to just play as a team more and kind of in, instead of just, I think we need to focus on defense a little more too um, because like just, we just find ourselves in these holes and the other team is able to go on runs and we're just not able to do anything about it. So that's what I think. And Hopefully AD comes back. A- AD will be a huge um, key to Undoubtedly. the Lakers having success. Yeah, because when he came back from injury this year, um, like when like we were playing like the Knicks, I remember that game. 
specifically like he was playing amazing um and we've seen it like in the past too like he came back towards the end of the season last season like when we were playing against phoenix in the first round and he was playing really well so hopefully he can do the same and if so who knows what can happen yep yes the hope is uh that's all we can have at this point i mean like we have so many years of lebron playing at this level so many years of ad right doing doing super well i mean hopefully there's there's a chance we can pass boston at some point we have to oh yeah for sure i 100 (laughs) yeah yeah all right yeah Noel. thanks again for joining me hopefully we can get some of our other friends on this podcast too maybe towards the end of the year Yeah. yeah for sure Yep. Thanks again, man. And uh, we'll be right back. Yep. We'll be right back with more on the Balance and Ballin' podcast. Thanks again to Noel for that awesome interview. Now back to the latest NBA game recaps. First of all, the Nets have had a pair of wins this week. On March 8th, Kyrie erupted for 50 points against the Charlotte Hornets, and the Nets won 132-121. Irving also had 9 threes, 3 rebounds, and 6 assists. March 10th, the Nets demolished the Sixers as Simmons watched from the sidelines. They won 129-100. Ben Simmons not playing, that was really expected, quite honestly. Uh, KD had 25 points, 14 rebounds, and 7 assists. Kyrie cooled off a little more this time, 22-4-5. Seth Curry, in his revenge game, had 24 points. Joel Embiid with 27 and 12. And James Harden, not too great against his former team, 11, 6, and 5. The Celtics, yes, they've actually done something really good. They're on a five-game win streak right now and sit at fifth in the Eastern Conference. Jason Tatum, he erupted for 54 points against the Brooklyn Nets as they won uh, 126 to 120. The Celtics did. Uh, Tatum also had five rebounds and three assists. KD and Kyrie had 37 and 19, respectively. The Celtics also staved off the Grizzlies, 120-107. to 107. Ja had uh, 38, while Tatum had 37. And speaking of Ja, he has catapulted the Grizzlies into the second spot in the Western Conference, averaging, get this, 33 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists per game over his last 10 games. He's helped by Desmond Bain, who's put up nearly 18 points a game, 4 rebounds a game, and almost 3 assists per game in his last 10. The Grizzlies are an exciting team to watch, definitely deserving of more primetime games, and who knows, maybe they could shock the world come playoff time. The Miami Heat have taken first in the East. They've been on fire recently, pun intended. They've won four of their last five and are 8-2 in their last ten. Jimmy Buckets, he's been doing really well in his last ten games. 19.4 points a game, 5.6 rebounds a game, and nearly four assists per game with some pretty ugly shooting splits. 39% from the field, 15% from three, and 79% from the free throw line. Tyler Hero in his last 10 games, quite a different story. 23.5 points a game, 4.4 rebounds a game, and 3.3 assists per game on 50, 42, 83 splits. And some believe he might be getting paid this offseason with a deal possibly of upwards of 5 years, $180 million. Wow. And speaking of wow, there have been four 50 bombs in March this season, all in the same week. LeBron last night with 50, he had 56, uh, Jason Tatum's 54, and Kyrie's 50. So quite a uh, week for some 50 burgers in the association. And now for the latest NBA headlines. Greg Popovich made history last night, passing Don Nelson to become the winningest coach in NBA history. According to StatMuse, Popovich has more wins than six NBA franchises. 
Pop has uh, 1,336, more than the Magic, Hornets, Timberwolves, Raptors, Grizzlies, and Pelicans. So congrats to him on that impressive feat. Some potential returns to watch out for next week. Markeith Morris, who suffered whiplash in a November scuffle with Nikola Jokic, has been medically cleared by the Heat after missing 58 games. Dylan Brooks, who's been out with an ankle sprain since January 8, could return to the Grizzlies during their three-game road trip. And now for the latest on the NBA's 10-day contracts. There are currently seven players inked to 10-day deals. They are Tyrone Wallace with the Pelicans, Moses Brown with the Cavs, Armani Brooks with the Raptors, Isaiah Thomas with the Hornets, Malik Fit with the Celtics, uh, Malik Fitz with the Celtics, excuse me, Keelan Martin also with the Celtics, and Drew Eubanks with the Portland Trailblazers. And finally, he's back. Zion Williamson officially rejoined the Pelicans yesterday at shoot-around. He'd been rehabbing from foot surgery in Portland for the last few months. His official on-court return is still unclear, but it's trending in a positive direction. Hopefully we can see him out on the floor with Ingram, uh, McCollum, and the other New Orleans Pelicans very, very soon. And speaking of returns, we have two of them tonight. The first one from Shams Sharania about uh, 45 minutes ago. After missing over four months due to whiplash from Nikola Jokic's push, Miami Heat forward Markeith Morris will return to the lineup tonight against Minnesota. So Morris, again, uh, he missed 58 games with the uh, scuffle and shove from Jokic. He's back tonight against the Wolves. The second one coming from Jamal Collier. Alex Caruso will play tonight against the Cavs. He's missed uh, about a month and change after Grayson Allen flagrantly fouled him and fractured his wrist as a result. So the Caruso and Markeith Morris both returning to action tonight. And that's a wrap on this episode of the Balance and Ballin' Podcast. I'm Jordan Pekulinawan. Stay safe, stay healthy, be well, peace.